the Savior, King of us all, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, to be the glory forever. Amen. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled. For such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows, but watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to, flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter. For in those days there will be tribulation, such as is not seen since the beginning of creation, which God created until this time, nor shall ever be. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake whom he chose, he shortened the days. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, even if possible, even the elect. But take heed, see, I have told you these things beforehand. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds. From the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. 
But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, if you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, if you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening at midnight at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly you find you sleeping, and what I say to you, I say to all, September, most, most years, September 11th, we celebrate the Feast of Nairuz, which is the Coptic New Year. And so our mother, the church, sets up in these last two weeks readings about the end of the world because coming towards the end of the year, it is a good opportunity for us to uh, think about uh, the end of the world and not only the end of the world, the end of our, our lives as individuals. The Gospel in particular, the passage that we read today, this event was happening on one of the last couple times that Christ was with his disciples. It's actually Tuesday of the last week of our Lord Jesus Christ's life. And actually the, the passage right before this passage that we read, the disciples are leaving the temple and one of them is like saying, look at this temple, it's really amazing and look how big the stones are and how nice it is. And our Lord Jesus Christ is responding and saying, you know, you, you think that the, the buildings are really nice. Um, Actually, there's going to come a time that not one of these stones are going to, not two of these stones are going to be on top of another. And then he took his disciples up to the top of the Mount of Olives, and then his closest disciples, Peter and Andrew and James and John, asked him, like, okay, when are these things going to be? What are you talking about? And then he, he's actually speaking about two things. He's speaking about the, the conquest of Jerusalem itself, like destruction of the temple, and that actually ended up taking place in 70 AD. And he's also talking about uh, the events that would kind of happen in connection with his second coming. And our Lord Jesus Christ is warning that before his second coming, there's going to be wars and there's going to be rumors of wars. And there would be people who are claiming to be Christ. And there would be earthquakes in different places throughout the world. There would be persecution of believers. Our Lord Jesus Christ was saying that before his second coming, these are going to be like days of really lots of distress. Distress that is sort of unparalleled, unequal. That it's, you know, the gospel says that we haven't seen since the beginning of time uh, uh, until now. And it says we're never going to see again. Our Lord Jesus Christ tells the disciples that when, he, when you see these signs coming to pass, then the time of his second coming is going to be near. And then he like sort of ended with giving them sort of a word of, uh, of exhortation or like, a, like a, a command or something to, to, to think about, to ponder on and to meditate. If you look at the right of, uh, near the end of the passage that we read this morning in verse 34, our Lord Jesus Christ relates to them a parable where he's teaching them and actually he's teaching us as Christians 
how we can be sure that we are ready for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says it's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. So the first thing that uh, we can think about in, those, in that small parable that our Lord Jesus Christ tells about the second coming is, we have to be striving to be faithful servants. He says in the parable that the master of the house, which is representing God the Father, leaves the authority of the household in the charge of his servants. And they're expected to be faithful servants. Everything that their master has entrusted them to care for, they have to be faithful in. There was actually two things that were expected of the servants. They were supposed to be faithful stewards of the master's possessions, the household and everything in it. Especially while the master was away, right? The servants had to run the house. So like everything in the house was theirs to, to sort of enjoy. But they were expected to always honor their master in the use of it. It's very similar to the parable that we read a few weeks ago about the vine dressers. Right? The, the owner of the, of the vineyard gave the, 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 the stewards, the vine dressers, a complete autonomy and authority within the vineyard. They said, give me fruits. I need the fruits. And I need you to work in the, in the vineyard faithfully. So he's saying, I'm giving you authority within the household, and I want you to sort of run the house and honor me in, in, in the use of the things that I've given you temporarily. In the same way, we have been entrusted with many, many wonderful things from God. Besides like what income and possessions we have, we have spiritual gifts, we have natural talents, we have abilities that God has entrusted us. And if we're going to be ready for the second coming, if we're going to be ready for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have to strive to be faithful stewards of all of those blessings, always using them in a way that will honor the Lord. Right? There are ways I can use my gifts that honor the Lord, and unfortunately there are ways I can use my gifts that bring dishonor to God. Right? I may be skilled in something and I use it for evil rather than for good. We may not be necessarily wealthy as far as money or material possessions are concerned, but we're definitely 100% wealthy as far as the blessings of God are concerned. And it's only by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that you and I have what we do and what we're able to do and what we're able to accomplish and He expects us to be faithful stewards of those things that He blessed us with. Making sure that we're using them only in ways that will honor Him. So, during these two weeks, a good time for me to assess myself. What are the talents or the gifts that God has given me? Whether it be material possessions, whether it be time, whether it be my health, whether it be the ability to speak, whether it be the ability to uh, talk about my faith, whether it be, there, there are, are many, many, many gifts. Gifts of generosity, gifts of compassion. I should assess myself. What are these gifts that God has given me and how has my use of them been? Am I honoring God in those gifts or am I neglecting them? Not only were the stewards called to be or the servants be faithful in their master's possession, they were supposed to be faithful servants of their master's 
business, right? So if it's the master's house, it's sort of like also the things that they're doing to run the house, to make sure that there is still sort of income coming into the house and make sure that the house is running correctly. What is that? What is the application here for us? The servants are entrusted with the responsibility of looking after the interests of the master. Right? So what, what is the, the master interested in? This is what I should be looking after. So in the same way, our Lord Jesus Christ entrusted us with the responsibility of looking after His interests. And what is the primary interest of God? St. Peter tells us very clearly in his second epistle, he says, Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the will of God, the business of the Master, is that everyone should come to God in repentance. So what, what is the lesson for us? We are never outside of God's will when I tell other people about Christ. I'm never outside of God's will when I tell other people about Christ. Too, too, too long, we wait for other people to begin. And, and the time of waiting should be over. This should be, sort of when I read passages about the second coming, part of one of the, the themes when I read the passage about the second coming is the concept that it is near. Near in the sense like it's nearer now than it was yesterday. And I do not know when it's coming. I do not know when the end of my own life is. So it is near. And so I have to be sort of vigilant about how I, how I behave and the things I act. I can't sit back and say, you know, maybe when someone else starts, I'll begin. Or maybe when uh, I get a good opportunity. Or maybe when I finally have the time, I can start. If people are going to be condemned to hell, at least they should be condemned to hell with us sort of like grabbing at their ankles, begging them not to go. Right? I, I need to be doing something towards furthering God's business, the business of the Master, right? If, if, if you know, like, if, if it's an inevitability that there are people who are going to perish, it has to be that they're, they're perishing despite our efforts, right? It has to be that they're perishing despite our efforts, not just sort of because of our negligence. Or else if it's because of our negligence, we're going to be held accountable for this. If we're good stewards, looking after our Master's interests, then we're going to be interested in reaching others for God. But unfortunately, it seems sometimes many of us in the church are, are content to enjoy the blessings within the church, within the house, ignoring the work that's going to be or needs to be done within the field. So it's an encouragement for us this morning to push away from the table, to, to look out from outside of the house, look beyond sort of the, the, the treasures within the house, and, and, and notice that there is a harvest. And then ask yourself, where are the workers? And if I'm supposed to be a worker, what should I be doing? You can imagine God the Father is saying, my house is, is full, but my field is empty, has no workers. Nobody is going to reap the people that I'm trying to call to repentance and to life. No one wants to work in my field. Our Lord Jesus Christ has given us the responsibility of looking after His business. And one day He is going to return and expect us to give an account of ourselves. So if we're going to be sure that we're going to be ready for the second coming, we would do well to be faithful servants, faithful stewards, both of the possessions that He entrusted to us and the responsibility that He's given to us. Also, we have to strive to be faithful. Our Lord Jesus Christ, He said, that these servants, the master, had assigned each one of them a specific task. He says to his servants and to each his work. So everyone has a specific job. So I have to be faithful in my specific job. 
He expected to find them when he comes back, carrying out their personal responsibility when he returns. In the same way, our Lord Jesus Christ calls each of us to certain tasks within the life of the church, which he expects us to faithfully perform until his second coming. So if I could say, like when I, when I was talking a few minutes ago, if the first great task of the church is to get sinners into heaven, to call people to repentance, the second great task of the church is to get those within the household uh, encouraged, out of bed, coming to be part of the life of the church. We read about in the reading from Acts about St. Barnabas, who's known as the son of encouragement, and how he was encouraging the people in Antioch to continue and to strive in the faith. They were faithful people, but he was encouraging them to continue. So each of us needs to wake up and realize that there is a job to do for us within the life of the church. And if we're going to be ready for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, then we better make sure we are busy doing our part. If I believe the, the church to be the body of Christ and the house of God, which one of you in your own household do not have chores? Which one of you in your own household do not have responsibilities on some level? If you're the father of the house, the mother of the house, the children within the house, everybody has responsibilities. It's not sufficient for me to come to church, to come and to pray and to leave. I need to have uh, buy-in within the life of the church. I need to have service towards others, towards the people within the church or without or outside of the church. If you think about sort of the, the 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 unfortunate statistics that sometimes happen is you know if I have, for example, three hundred people in the church, three hundred people that could do something, right? And, and a good number says, you know what, I'm I'm too old, I can't do it. And then it leaves maybe like, you know, hundred and fifty people. And then, you know, uh, maybe ten of them are like or 20 of them are like, I'm too timid, I'm too shy, right? And it leaves a little bit less. And a little bit more saying, you know, I'm too tired to work, I don't have time. And then another, a couple of them say, you know what, well, I was only made to go to church when I was young, and I don't really kind of go to church anymore, so I don't really feel like that's appropriate for me. And then there's another group of people who are indifferent. And then that leaves a very small group willing to work. And then those ones are overloaded. And then those ones become discouraged and then they don't want to work at all. So it's time for us to sort of assess ourselves again within these last two weeks is how is my service within the life of the church? And to quit making excuses for myself. God has given each of us, as I said prior, certain abilities, certain things that He expects us to, uh, gifts that He expects us to use in the, in the work of the church. And one of the great things that he's given the ability to, for all of us to do is to be dependable, right? The ability to be dependable. Always actually in the church there are two kinds of people, no matter how you view it. There are those who talk about what should be done, and then there are those who get busy and do it. And so I should assess myself, am I those who talk about the things I need to do or should be done within the church? Or am I part of the group of the people who are like, no, I want to be a part of doing those things within the life of the church. The last thing that our Lord Jesus Christ tells us about for us to be ready for the second coming is that we have to be striving to be faithful watchmen. Right? So watchmen are kind of like soldiers that guard against anybody destroying the property. Right? The same way our Lord Jesus Christ is asking us to be like watchmen. Being on guard against anything that might destroy His work within the church. Right? God put the church within the world. And Satan... 
seeks to put the world back into the church. And he uses every opportunity to, to weaken God's work through the church by, by getting you and I to let our guards down. So because of that, we need to be vigilant, we need to commit ourselves to be on alert. St. Peter again in his epistle, his first epistle says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So if we're going to be good watchmen, good soldiers for our Lord Jesus Christ, we have to be on guard. We can't lay down our spiritual weapons of, of prayer, of watching, of scripture reading, of fasting, till our warfare is ended, either by our death or by the second coming of, of, of Christ. Because if we do, then our enemy, the devil, is quickly going to prevail against us. Our Lord Jesus Christ is expecting His people to be on alert. So expecting us to be on alert. Guarding against Satan's attempts to hinder the effectiveness of God's working in and through the lives of the people and through the church. So we can see these lessons for us as we start to contemplate the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the end of times. He tells us that no one knows the day or the hour of His return. Our responsibility is to be faithful until the return of Christ. He didn't put us on the committee of finding out the time and the place of His second coming. But He did put us on the preparation committee. So we're to see to the fact that we ourselves and those around us are prepared. And we talked about how it is it that we're supposed to be prepared. To be watchful for ourselves, to be watchful for our, the abilities that we have to make sure we're making good use of them, and to be watchful towards the salvation of others, and to be watchful and vigilant against uh, attacks within and without the church. May God make us always good and faithful. Watch people, and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.